Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the podcast where today we are diving deep into the world of polyface farms, into the world of permaculture and market gardening and and building kind of like a homestead or a lifestyle that integrates your food systems and the food that you put into your belly each and every day being something that you are actually a part of. So I had the pleasure of speaking to what I would consider a pretty big celebrity in the space of Polyface Farms. His name is Joel Salatin. You might recognize him from a couple of different documentaries that he starred in. Uh, and I won't go into all of that, but just Google his name if you really want to learn more. But he himself does call himself a Christian, libertarian, environmentalist, capitalist, lunatic farmer. So I will just end it there, allow you to join the episode, and don't forget at the end, if you want to be a part of this, if you want to see more of this, please visit polyfacefarms.com, his website, to learn more, or, you know, just, you know, participate, ask us questions, like, we will answer any of the questions that you might have, so don't forget to make that a reality. Um, but we also have a lot of really good topics in this one, so if there are any sources of confusion, do you know have your Google handy because I think a lot of you are going to have some of your minds blown. So enjoy the episode, and I'll see you on the inside. What would it take to make sustainability sexy? I'm not talking about sex appeal or half-naked models. I'm talking about the sort of mainstream acceptance that makes sustainability a topic worthy of the popular kids' table. I gave myself a challenge a couple years back to really try and understand what was happening to our planet, and I felt helpless at first. I now feel more motivated than ever to see us turn back the disasters that so many knowledgeable people are convinced are coming straight for us. The way things are, if everyone lived like the average American household, we would need close to five planets just to survive. But how do you get people to stop living in such unsustainable ways? Can we get everyone to trade their cars for horses and buggies? Mm, no. I realized the solution was to create technology that would let people thrive in their modern lifestyles and protect the planet. How could that work? Well, you'll have to look at Wisdom Designs on buildyourwisdom.com to learn more. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Superhero Academy podcast. And today, I've got an amazing guest who uh, who I first discovered actually through my my kind of my binge of documentary watching that I've been doing uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, but particularly, a an amazing documentary that really talks about the food systems that are out there and what's happening. Uh, to the world of food and how how it's very 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 scary and I know um, that in this documentary and in another documentary the omnivores dilemma and food Inc these two documentaries are really 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 powerful uh, but beyond that uh, our guest here today Joel Salatin is an amazing farmer an amazing man who's just who's just revolutionizing 
to me, the way that we are kind of operating a farm and the way that we are, are thinking about the use of our lands and our food systems and so much more. So um, he's representing Polyface Farms, uh, an amazing farming operation that he's got going on in Virginia. And, you know, you might recognize him from some of his books, from so many different things. So thank you so much, Joel, for being a part of the, uh, the podcast here today. Oh, thank you, Mark. It's a real pleasure to be with you. So I would love to hear a little bit more about your story. For those of you who don't know who you are, who might recognize you, but one would love to hear your story. What, you know, what inspired all of this? How did this all come to be? How did Polyface Farms and, and, and your kind of your, your change in, perspe- in perspective of how, you know, the world of food is, is kind of uh, progressing? How did this all come to, to fruition? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a neat story because it goes back so far. My, my father's father, my grandfather, was a charter subscriber to Rodale's Organic Gardening and Farming magazine in 1949, mm. and and so so he drank the uh, the ecology Kool Aid, if you will, <laughs> uh, very early. And Dad got his uh, environmental ecology, you know, um, alternative thinking ep- ethic from him. I got it from Dad, so you know, I'm I'm multi generational uh, weirdo. And so I don't have a conversion experience. Like, you know, I never used chemicals and, and all that stuff. Um, I guess I'm just genetically uh, now into this, this uh, you know, this different way of think. Uh, we could call it uh, different think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, that, so when we, you know, when, when, um, when we came to the farm in 1961, I was just four years old. Uh, Dad and Mom uh, bought the farm here, worked off farm for 10 years to take, you know, off-farm income to pay for it, which is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. But Dad was quite a genius and realized that the chemical approach was like a drug addiction, and you could never, you could never get ahead of it because you were always having to get a bigger kick, pay more money, um, and so looked at what, you know, what do we see that stands the test of time? And we started looking at environmental uh, templates, and we saw, well, first of all, you know, there's no animalless ecosystems. Uh, they're, they're fundamentally plant animal integrations and, and synergies as opposed to segregated, uh, systems. And, um, they're primarily built on perennials, not annuals. Perennials mm-hmm. build, annuals tear down. Um, and not that we don't have any, want any annuals, but you have to be judicious about the, the, the amount of annuals that you have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the carbon cycle is, is what drives soil fertility, not you know, not chemical ten 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 or anhydrous ammonia or, or petroleum or whatever. It's it's driven by by solar by solar energy converted to biomass on site in situ. That's what drives the soil fertility. Mm-hmm. And then finally, and then you know, if I could just add one more, uh, that would be that that no no society has ever survived long term when it couldn't feed itself and that includes even a locality so the the less the less economic ecological and and emotional uh um uh resiliency a community has the more vulnerable it is to ecological economic or socio-political you know uh um whatever uh, collapse Problems, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so so realized that uh, that direct marketing, marketing to our neighbors, was the place to start, 
not exporting to the Chinese or Sri Lanka or, you know, uh, Kenya. That the, the, the place to start with resiliency is knocking on your neighbor's door and, and, and doing local commerce. And so, you know, those are, those are pretty simple, uh, foundational pillars, but they're actually fairly profound. And of course, of course, when you look at them, you know, perennials, integration, local centricity, and carbon centricity in, in situ, you know, those, those are diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to, to the, the farm, the farm and food orthodoxy of our day. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And most likely the person who's listening to this is is kind of starting to awaken or is already awakened to the fact that there is some serious problems happening in our society when it comes to where our food comes from, right? And and we, we kind of ignore it. We, we kind of have gotten so complacent because... Um, you know, if you're anybody like me or you're, you're you're watching this from the Western world, most likely you have kind of always had uh, food in your shelf or, or food in your fridge and, and food on the shelves at the grocery store. And we forget where all of that comes from and we forget where all of this kind of this this system that has been built for us has has kind of, you know, been granted to uh, to us. And, it, and it's such a luxury Um but at the same time, we have we have just kind of dissociated from the fact that we have no idea who produces anything we consume anymore. It's not just food, right? It's like where our clothes comes from or where uh, and what our even neighbors do. Like live, living, you know, I grew up in suburbia. I barely knew any of my neighbors. There's some of them that I have no idea what their names are. And that's just... That's so sad. That's so scary to me to think that we we are more willing to trust just whatever is on the shelf than wherever it comes from all the way around the world compared to literally just having a conversation and, and a connection with the people who feed us and beyond that with the earth itself, with actually feeding ourselves, right? Self-reliance in that way. Sustainability as a word is, is so... it's we need to kind of take it more seriously, right? There's so many, um, yeah, well, I mean, we just yeah. need to do it. We just need to, we just need to know where this food comes from and we need to participate in it and we need to be a part of it because if we're not, if we're, if we're not knowing our neighbor or, and we're not participating in, in, in growing our own food, even in the smallest of ways, right? We don't all have to be farmers. We don't all have to do this necessarily, but we should be a part of it. We should kind of contribute to it in the same way that we would contribute to our local movie theater when we go watch a movie. Well, at the same way, we can we could contribute to our farmers. We could contribute to our farmers' markets at least, and we can kind of source our foods from people who are within a couple of miles of us, not a couple of thousands of miles of us, right? And and I think there's there's some scary things that are looming along uh, all of this, and I think it's these are all symptomatic, right, of what we're doing in our food processes. And you know, whether it be drought, whether it be you know uh, climate change, whether it be um, you know industrial farming, uh, whether it be corn or, or animals or whatever that is, it's so freaking scary. But I mean, I would love to hear a little bit more on your perspective of like. What is actually happening out there? For somebody who's not completely awake to some of these things, what are some of the systems that you believe are failing and and then how do we address that? So Yeah, well, probably um, one of the, you know, one of the ones that most of your listeners would be familiar with, the systems that are failing 
are our our antibiotic systems. Uh, you know, they've they've been very functional here for several decades and arguably have made some pretty positive changes, but we're losing those antibiotics. We now have, you know, we now have uh, um, pathogens that do not respond pretty much to anything. And so there's a tremendous amount of concern right now that we're losing. We're losing our antibiotics. Well, just think, um, you know, just think what that would mean to our modern uh, what health you know system. Well, uh, if we if we didn't have any antibiotics, and of course mm-hmm. that's been that that whole issue, <coughs> excuse me, has been created due to factory farming. So that's one of the extenuating hidden costs of cheap food um, where we, you know, can find these animals in a, in a factory situation, keep them alive with antibiotics because the conditions are so filthy, um, and, and then the surviving diseases, pathogens, build up immunity over time because they, you know, every generation carries the memory of the generation before, mm-hmm. and so they build up a resistance, and these are, of course, created in superbugs, you know, MRSA and C. diff are, of course, two huge hospital uh, illnesses that now occur that, that did not occur 50 years ago. These are these are brand new things. So we're seeing we're seeing that we're seeing a system we're seeing our immunological function failing in the culture. There are uh, the whole the whole deal of of um, immunological dysfunction or uh, or or malfunction. Is rampant now, um, and part of that is due to the you know what a lot of uh, doctors have signed on to is called the hygiene hypothesis, which is that the immune system is actually like a muscle, mm-hmm. and it needs to be exercised from time to time, you know, uh, right along in order to maintain strength. And what's happened is that as we have extricated ourselves from this ecological umbilical, you know, uh, how many of you have heard, uh, remember grandma saying every kid needs to eat a pound of dirt by the 12, by the time they're 12, right? <laughs> and yep. and, and so, so now that we have extricated ourselves from this ecological umbilical, um, and, and all we're doing is, you know, is, is playing Angry Birds and, and uh, video games and uh, washing an antimicrobial soap and, um, you know, going to the ballet uh practice, um, we, we are gradually sterilizing our lives to where when there's some pollen or there's some, you know, um, uh, you know, some assault on our immune system, instead of our immune system just handling it without missing a beat, suddenly, you know, we're, we're having an asthma attack or, you know, uh, uh, some sort of a rash or some sort of um, you know, septic shock or whatever, you know, we're going into these things. So, you know, that's indicative of a, a of a whole system where we, you know, where we chlorinate our, our carrots, you know, so there can't be a, a piece of dirt on it because there might be pesticide on the carrot. So we, we, we wash it to sterilize it and then chlorinate it to sterilize it from bacteria. And then we have, you know, immuno, um, immunological, uh, um, lethargy <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, so th- th- those are those are real specific things and then of course you have your whole series of of diabetes and 
and all that, uh, you know, it, it should give us all pause that if the USDA had never created the food pyramid in 1979 and put uh, Twinkies on the bottom of it, maybe we wouldn't have the obesity and the type 2 diabetes epidemic that we have today. If the government had never told us what to eat, like, you know, hydrogenated vegetable oils and those kind of things, maybe we'd all be healthier if the government had never told us how to eat. Absolutely. So, it, you know, it gives us pause to realize, you know, how silly it is for us to, you know, trust the government to tell us <laughs> what is, uh, you know, what is acceptable to eat. Yeah. With, with, you know, when its track record, when its track record is so bad, including you know, telling us that we need to feed dead cows to cows, which created bovine spongiform encephalopathy, also known as mad cow. Uh, you know, the, the the track record, the government's track record is is abysmal. Oh, and, it's awful. Uh, it's, yeah, and, it's and beyond so, awful. Yeah, why would anybody trust the government? Then, then when then when you come on down, I mean, so those are kind of societal factors that you know that we're actually seeing in doctor's office, in our homes, and that sort of thing. And, of course, the, you know, it, it, it shows the, the expansion of the pharmaceutical industry. Then, then you come into you know, the, the basic ecology and economics of food and farm uh, uh, production. And we're, we're seeing um, you know, rampant desertification uh, in America. You know, uh, the dry places are getting drier. The aquifers from irrigation, the aquifers are, are dropping. I was just in... Montana last week, you know, and asked them, you know, well, what are the aquifers doing where you're, you know, irrigating all these things? Oh, well, they're dropping every year, you know. I was in Australia um, last year on a, on a permaculture uh, farm, actually, and, and asked the guy, you know, he had his deed going back. He had been able to research the deeds back to 18, like 1820 or 1830 when the first, uh, I guess, prisoners, <laughs> penal colony came. And they sold the land based on how far down the water was from the top of the ground. And uh, because, you know, when you're hand digging a well or hand digging access to the aquifer, obviously if it's, if it's um, uh, 20 feet down, it's a lot different than if it's 5 feet down. On his mm -hmm. property in the early 1800s, uh, it was recorded that the water was only 2 meters down. And it took him about 20 years to go through that aquifer, and then the water was and then of course they're they're all meters, you know. Then then it was then it was uh, 12 meters, which is 36 feet. Long story short, today today they've gone through the the fourth aquifer. It's at it's at about 200 feet, and it's almost depleted. So now they're now they're saying they're going to have to go into the to the next aquifer. The, the the point is, you know, when does this stop? I mean, you can't. You can't do this forever. You know, you're 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 finally through the water and into the oil or the core of the earth or lava or something. You know, um, you simply can't can't do that forever. So we're seeing a, a huge reduction in potable water and in arable soil. We have, you know, the uh, the riparian dead zones. The U.S. has 700 of them. The largest, of course, being the size of New Jersey and the Gulf of Mexico. That is. That is completely, completely human caused, and all in the last century with industrial agriculture. So, um, you know, these are these are pretty big. These are pretty big deals. And um, well, I and mean, you just touched upon like the fundamentals of life. I mean, you talked about water. We're talking about food, and we're talking about medicine and health. I mean, if yes. all of those things are being affected 
by the foods that we're eating and by the things that we're not doing and that we should be doing, then at the end of the day, we have to start asking ourselves, well, what is going on here? What is what is wrong? And obviously, we know that the government has played a role in this, right? Obviously, we know that um, whether it be the food pyramid, as you mentioned, whether it be the subsidizing of corn, whether it be like double standards when it comes to organic farmers versus like industrial farmers or, 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 or um, all the crazy things that we've seen on the internet, whether it be uh, I don't know, a drone flying over some of the pig farms and we're seeing all the fecal matter go into this this basin and it's pink and it's just nasty and, and, and it's obviously <laughs> affecting the aquifers and obviously affecting the neighboring uh, area and soil and all of this stuff. Whether it be the, the fact that we are cutting down more trees than we are planting uh, every day on this planet, whether it be, you know, that only uh, a small percentage of the world's water is potable water and most of that is glacial and, and kind of uh, you know, and melting, unfortunately, due to climate change, whether there be a million and one different things, there is no doubt about the fact that we need to act. And what I feel in, and is happening, and I would love to know what you think about this, right, is a large portion of what we do here at the Valhalla Movement is, is to focus on the solutions. And obviously, yeah. I know what you're doing at Polyface Farms, and we'll get to that, is the solutions. But I got to ask you the question, like, do you believe, are you seeing this change? Because, you know, I went to, for example, I went to uh, the Paris Climate Talks and I was down there and, and, and you know, in France and, and I was I was listening to all the different things that were going on and they were talking about, you know, restoring ecosystems and, and carbon sequestration in the soils and, and that being a big topic. But there was also a lot of presence of all the corporate interests and lobbying as per usual, right? And, and, and whether it be with the, in the U.S. or around the world, it's all the same bullshit that's going on. And, and we're seeing so much of this kind of play out in the, in the favor of, you know, the status quo over and over and over again. But I don't understand what it's going to take for people to start giving a shit. Like, you know, the, the you know, these antibiotics and, and the, the, the kind of post-antibiotic world is only a couple of years away. I mean, we're talking right. about by like 2048, there might not be fish in the sea. By 2050, we might have like the, you know, huge, huge, huge consequences to our, our, our farming systems. You know, by 2030, 50% of the world will be in, in dire water needs and, and you know, and, and the aquifers and under, you know, California are, are happening. And and here's the thing. I think there's a, there's a there's this idea that the only thing we need to do is start eating organic. And I know that that's untrue, right? Like I know that organic, you know, organic carrots, although they might not have the pesticides and you know they might not have some of the sprays and chemicals, you know, that's one part of the problem. But they still use a shit ton of water. They still don't have full kind of systems and, and, and you know, that, that are we would find in, in permaculture or in, in other kind of, uh, you know, more holistic uh, approaches to farming and to, to, to doing, you know, and growing food. How do, you know, where do you think this is going? Do you think that we are going to be able to turn the tides on this? Is this something that, that needs to happen? Or like, you know, how, how close are we to this brick wall? And, and why do people need to care about this now? Like, and start growing their food today and not waiting until tomorrow? Yeah, well, what you just described is what we, what we see in all the hockey stick, the hockey stick charts. And one of the things that we know when we see hockey stick charts is we, we know that they can't, there, there's no hockey stick chart that's sustainable. None, none. All hockey stick charts collapse, and so all these things you're describing are absolutely, uh, you know, part of that hockey stick charting. So, are we going to turn the tide? Um, 
And that's the one thing that I don't do is I don't prophesy. I, I collect these uh, these silly prophecies from experts, you know, that, that uh, you know, like October 8th, 1929, Wall Street, the president of Wall Street said, you know, it's a, it's a bull market here for the long term and blah, blah, blah. And the next day, of course, people were jumping out their windows and stuff. Um, and, and, you know, in 1966, Tom Watson, CEO of IBM, uh, predicted that the entire world, future possible world market for computers was about five. And that was the CEO of IBM, you know, in 1966. So, yeah, I, I actually collect these for fun. So I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the, 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 unfortunately, the, the history of civilization, you know, if you read, uh, collapse and, and um, guns, germs, and steel, and things like that, is that we don't respond in time to things. Civilizations uh, ebb and flow. Their rise and fall um, is, is very much tied up with, with, with resource depletion. And then the civilization collapses, and then there's a time of kind of abandonment, uh, and then it rebuilds. What's happened today, though, is with our population density, um, when a civilization collapses, it... it, it it, it's still it, it 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 it's it's populated, you know. It's it's not like it was um, uh, three thousand years ago. So so um, so I don't know if we're going to actually see a tide turn, um, you know, in in time to. All I say is I think it has to get a lot worse before it gets better because mm-hmm. we still have the majority of our population. Mark is still. Far more informed, passionate, interested, and and uh, uh, knowledgeable about the latest dysfunction in the Kardashian household yep. than they are what's going to be flesh of their flesh and bone of their bones at six o'clock this evening. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, you spoke at the very top of the program talking about how you know in our culture we've had the luxury of, of not being hungry. We've had full grocery stores. We you know we've been able to get all the noodles we want. All the rice we want, all the corn we want, all the beef and chicken we want. You know, we, we, we've not we've not been hungry, and um, um, that that's you know without regard to the fact that that much of what we're eating doesn't nourish us anymore. That's yes, another yeah. topic. A whole other story. Uh, yeah, that 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 the food that we're eating is nutrient deficient compared to what our grandparents ate, but. Um, but you have to understand that that abundance, that that abundance, is a very sheer facade. It, it's a, it's a negligee, okay? It, it's a negligee of covering because actually, every city only has three days of food in that city. Think about all the things that have to run harmoniously and smoothly in order for the city. To maintain that three-day supply of food, you have to be able to get energy. You know, uh, energy has to flow to the to the transportation system to move the product. You have to be able to trust the the chain of supply, uh, both both trust it in terms that it can get it there, but trust the inventory that it doesn't get tainted, that it doesn't uh, spoil, go bad you know, grow listeria, campylobacter, or, or whatever. Um, and, and then, you know, more and more now with globalism, you need to have a smooth-functioning merchant marine. You have to have very uh, uh, nice 
easy trade between nations because we're we're becoming dependent on other countries. I mean, we're now we're shipping you know chickens to China for processing to import them as as um, you know uh, nuggets in the shape of Dino's the dinosaur. Oh, it's crazy. Um, I, so, I found out so, that we were doing that for the, the same exact thing for like apple juice, and I'm I'm living yeah. you know near Montreal. We grow apples like like nobody's business here. Like this is where this is apple country in my opinion, and yeah, and right. uh, in our zone and our climate. And I found out that we were literally picking the apples off our tree, sending them to China, and they were shipping it back to us as concentrate so that we can add water to it and and drink it. And I was like, this yeah. does not make any sense. This is. We have entered a zone of absurdity, and there is yeah. no doubt about the fact. Like, and and you might not prophesize, but I'll prophesize a little bit that we are we are going to get to the point where this is going, like you said, to get worse before it gets better. And 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 it's not going to get better for everyone. That's my opinion. I mean, I think we are headed yeah. towards a brick wall in so many ways, and there's just no doubt about that. Like, if if antibiotics stop working, that means people are going to start dying in hospitals from common colds and common problems that. Right. That would have been curable through better diets and better food and, and plant medicines and all kinds. And and if we right. don't start taking control of our water systems, if we don't start planting more trees than we are cutting down, if we don't start doing any of that, there's it's mathematically certain that we will be in a problem. Now, do we? Yeah, you know, yeah, does this, SpaceX and Elon Musk get us to Mars before that? Well, I'm not. I'm not I don't want to bet on that, right? I don't want to bet on technology saving our ass because we, we, technology has done and can do an enormous amount of amazing things. And don't get me wrong. I mean, the fact that we are speaking from halfway around the world right now, and 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 people are listening to this on a podcast on a phone that's wirelessly connected to space is is incredible. But the fact that we can do all of that and we use all of this technology, like you said, to stay up with the Kardashians as opposed to learn from one another as opposed to watch things that are informing us or or to or to you know uh, watch documentaries that can kind of change our perspective or open our eyes to something is mind-boggling and and i and i know obviously you've dedicated your life to teaching these things and to learning these things um you know so how about we shift a little bit towards that how about we shift a little bit towards the solution because there is no doubt about the fact that this is happening and if you're listening to this right now i don't care what you think is more important there is nothing more important than your water food and health so it is the fundamental of your life because that that job that you have that's just paying you whatever money that is arbitrary i mean yes i understand that we are in an economic system and i'm not saying that we're going to escape it tomorrow but what I can say is that the best economic system and the most empowering system that you can have is that if you have your own food, shelter, water, and health taken care of, and you're doing that through yourself and your your local community and, and your neighbors and, and the local farms around you, if you participate in that, you are in the most empowered state you can possibly be. And if you're empowered in that way, you actually have the most freedom you can have. I believe that, the, you know, the idea of the land of the free that we, we, we talk about in, in America is not through, you know, white, you know, the suburbia with white picket fences. It's through the idea of, of having the space and the freedom to empower ourselves with and, and around with the ecosystems around us. And it doesn't take, you know, acres and acres of land like it does to do to for, for with corn. We can feed and you prove it with Polyface Farms feed how many families with with you know how many acres let's say like you, you this is incredible yeah, we, the we, systems that yeah, you guys we, have we developed feed, yeah we we feed you know we feed uh uh arguably you know uh 10 to 12,000 families um now we're you know we're running we're running on about uh uh well just just say just say 1000 acres 
Wow. But uh, still, you know, 10, 12,000 families on a thousand acres, you know, we're giving, and, and that's, and, and that is, that is not uh, vegetable production. That's, uh, that's livestock. That's, that's your meat. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. The resiliency, the beauty, the beauty of the planet, of the earth is that, that it is biological. It's fundamentally biological. It's not mechanical. And the, the thing that separates biological things from mechanical things is that they can heal. You know, if you're, if your bearing on your car goes out, uh, you can, you can ask its forgiveness. You can give it a rest. You can, uh, you, you can put some more grease in it. You can do whatever you want to. But when you start that car again, that bearing's going to go thump, thump, thump. It, it is, it is not going to heal. It's mm-hmm. not going to grow new metal and new bearings and, and, and a new race and, a new seal and, and fix itself. But biological systems can. And you and I and the earth and our animals and our plants and the soil uh, and, and, and the water, uh, the air, these are all fundamentally biological systems. And so the, the, the beautiful thing is that we can take our technology and what we know and we can now apply it so that we actually so that the hands that have hurt become the hands that can heal. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of this. And so we don't have to continue, you know, raping and pillaging and, and continue in our conquistador mentality. We can, we can reverse that and become what I call caressers of the earth uh, rather than, you know, uh, uh, conquistadors of the earth. And, and we can begin to reverse these trends. Now, we have this wonderful technology today. I mean, think about like on our farm, you know, uh, uh, I can, in, in five minutes, I can show you things from, you know, from computer microchip uh, electric fence energizers to polyethylene woven uh, um, threads with uh, stainless steel filaments uh, the size of a human hair uh, uh, woven into them. Uh, uh, affixed to fiberglass stakes so we can run large, you know, 1,200 flock, bird flocks of chickens, for example, more predator safe, more hygienically and more chicken friendly than you could a backyard flock, uh, you know, 100 years ago. That's cool. We've, we've, got, we've got polyethylene pipe that we can bury. So for the first time in human history, we can easily run water uphill. Um, so, so we've built ponds, permaculture style, in the in the high ground surrounding the farm, and we have six mile a six mile web of water lines that go out onto the land here. Every hundred yards is a valve, and we have eighty pounds of pressure. You know, your your domestic households about forty pounds pressure water. So imagine doubling your pressure. I mean, blow the O rings out of your kitchen sink. Uh, eighty pound pressure water on the farm, all gravity, no electricity. No, you know, no uh, uh, electronics, nothing. It's just gravity. Uh, so when the power goes out, guess what? Our water still flows down. Uh, it, it, it waters the entire farm. We can use it for irrigation, watering livestock, watering uh, produce, uh, the farm, you know, whatever. Um, you know, that is, that is the kind of development, what I call uh, redemptive development, that our mechanical and intellectual ability can bring to the landscape. And mm-hmm. so what happens is every year, 
every year we grow more soil. Every year the water becomes cleaner. Every year the air becomes more oxygenated. You know, all these things happen because we have we have used our technology and our participation. I love 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 that word you use. We, we've 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 used our our participatory uh, equity in order to leverage these natural templates of healing and move that healing forward. We we can grow soil faster today than we've ever been able to do it in the course of human history. So when you we say grow soil, I know what you mean. Can you explain what you mean by that? Because I, I don't think that people understand that some soils are different than other soils. And and that yeah, well, you know, some soils, yeah, well, like but, in the GMO field, maybe they understand that there's chemicals on one, but they don't understand what they what you mean by that. And and I really do, but let's let's enlighten some people. Sure. Sure. Well, soil is made up of aggregates, minerals, and and uh, biomass, humus, decomposing biomass, and then this, this amazing web of uh, of life that all sloshes around essentially in a in a swampy uh, uh, you know a swampy environment of oxygen and um, and 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 water, and so and and there's this entire um, you know underground cafe economy of where you have you know a a bacteria that comes up to uh, um, one coming down from the roots and says, hey, I'll trade you, I'll trade you two zinc uh, molecules for three of those polysaccharides that the plant made from uh, photosynthetic conversion of solar energy into, into sugars. And, and so this, this underground cafe is working, and the soil is all of these, all of these beings uh, uh, from earthworms to microscopic bacteria, nematodes, um, you know, mycorrhizae, uh, mycelium, and and the whole um, aggregate mineral, uh, you know, humus decomposing carbonaceous biomass that goes with it. In you know, in temperate areas like let's just say from from the Mississippi River east, um, generally an inch of soil takes a thousand years to grow. Um, you know, you know, biomass grows and, and falls down and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, today, today, using really uh, first-class, um, you know, composting techniques, um, uh, you know, deep, deep litter, lasagna gardening, uh, where we use, you know, a, a straw bales or wood chips, and we um, and we we can now build we can build an inch of soil in uh in a year and this it's is something amazing. and this is something i can attest to because we you know when we started our farm at valhalla the soil that we went on to and and i knew nothing about anything when it came to farming when i first started i right. studied entrepreneurship and marketing and in, this is our fourth season now at valhalla and in four seasons we've seen from nothing would grow to like basically some you know, very basic weeds that came out in year one, we started adding compost teas and all kinds of stuff to the yep. soil and we restored the soil so quickly. It is insane when you can add back the bacteria and the fungi and all the, the, the life that a soil needs, the amount of depth of, of, you know, a kind of, if you want to call it black earth or, or, or kind yep. of, yep. um, uh, you know, good soil and, and what that has created to the ecosystems, the number of now trees and the grasses that are restoring and, 
you know, moving along the scale from weeds to forest uh, in terms of uh, restoration of the soils and, and a growth or maturity of an ecosystem, the, yeah. the speed at which we've been able to restore that is remarkable. And if you saw the pictures of the soil, and maybe I'll attach them in the show notes here uh, for those of you who are listening, if you saw what it looked like on day one, it was despicable. It was awful. You couldn't see a bug crawling there. There was not a worm in the soil. So to think that your soils and that most of the soils that are being farmed today to, to produce food, not even mainly for you, but you know, corn and soya for, for all of these crazy products and, and, and corn syrups and, 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 you know, to feed cows and whatnot, this is, you know, you're talking the worst possible conditions I have ever seen. And it is scary. Like, it is beyond scary to go and pay attention to this. And I know that if you're listening to this, you might be like, ooh, maybe I should just avoid the scary. But here's the truth. If you're, if you're avoiding that, what you're doing is just kind of delaying the problem and you're just kind of, you're feeding yourself continuously with these poisons. And, and that's going to affect you. And it's, it's already affecting you. It's affecting your energy yeah. levels. It's affecting your, your, your blood sugar levels. It's affecting just, you know, uh, there was a study that came out recently that they found that there was, there was like fecal matter and pretty much all meat and all ground meat that, that is being kind of produced by factory farms. I mean, wow, like you're talking, this is stuff you're putting in your mouth, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, we, we need to take this seriously. So it is very, very possible to restore soils and do such at a, at a level that we've never understood before because now we have, and this is where technology does come in, we've been able to look at this through microscopes and, and try so many different techniques and so many amazing people out there, uh, one of which is a part of our tribe, her name is Vivian Calixilos, doing amazing work. So this year, just to give you guys an example, we're taking over 19 acres of, of GMO corn and we're turning it and we're using compost teas to restore the entire field through through all kinds of different techniques and stuff uh and and like you said the lasagna gardening and and so many techniques that you can learn through uh, uh i don't know whether it be hugoculture or permaculture or whatever it is like all these different things could be so effective at doing this so you know do understand that this is true this is this is real the real deal here ladies and gentlemen this is not him you know just talking about it because it you know he was able to do this since 1961 or whatever this is something you guys can do now if you if you got to it and you started growing you know uh, gardens not lawns kind of thing yeah and and actually integrating and actually integrating your life with your ecosystem in other words uh you know for example i'm a big fan of kitchen chickens you got to say that slowly because it can come out funny (laughs) kitchen chickens and and what i mean by that is uh just take kitchen scraps i mean kitchen scraps are are uh, a huge source of landfill, um, you know, landfill material, and of course, you know, uh, they they clog up the garbage trucks. They're heavy. They're floppy. They're you know, they're they're vermin attracting. Well, you know, uh, you you have a dog or a cat or whatever you go buy food for. Well, how about having two chickens and you feed them the kitchen scraps? They lay you a couple eggs a day. Now you get your eggs. You don't have to go to the store to get eggs at all. And, 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 and your, your house then becomes a cyclical integration with the ecology as opposed to, as opposed to, to something like a, like a cyst sitting out on the outside of, 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 of the organism, of the ecosystem. Um, and, and if we can, you know, through, through, um, I mean, it's something as simple as a, as a vermicomposting kit. Under your sink, you know, uh, if you don't want chickens, you can throw your kitchen scraps in there. Then, the, then the the earthworm castings 
become the potting soil and the you know the addition for your plants, and then you can get these PVC pipes, hang them out for your two second you have outside your windows, pack them full of compost, grow plants out of these grow towers, you know, hanging off the wall of your house, adds insulation, a transpiration, it it cool. It, it cools the wall of the house and fills it up with vegetation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are just unimaginable things. And, of course, PVC is, you know, uh, that's part of technology. That's what I'm saying. You know, now we, we have the ability now to grow in nooks and crannies, small spaces, and, and do it in a way that we've never been able uh, to do it before. And... Um, and you know, from hoop houses. I mean, I'm a huge fan of solariums. Our our house was built in 1790, but wow. we have a state of the art, um, you know, uh, um, cedar built uh, solarium on the south side. It helps to heat the house in the winter. But you know, we can we can grow uh, without any supplemental heat. We can grow uh, winter hardy stuff like mescaline mix, Swiss chard, kale. All the way through the winter, I mean, like January, February, zero outside. We go out and pick kale and eat it fresh. We don't even have a heater out there, you know, because these things are designed to, to be able to, you know, withstand. We've got a rock, you know, uh, mass to heat up in the day. So it. Well, you know, at the end of the day, they're designed. Like, they're designed with with the systems of the planet in mind. I mean, all you did yeah. was basically pay attention and say, oh, well, you know, we're in the northern hemisphere, so in winter the sun tracks on the south. And on the south, we can add this greenhouse to our or to our or solarium to our uh, our building, and we can grow, and we can use, and we can pay attention. And when mm-hmm. we stop paying attention and we start just taking everything and all the information that people are feeding us for for truth, that's where this all broke down. And and I believe that at the end of the day, you know, the only way we're going to kind of get through any of this is that we're going to have to take on four key values. And these are, you know, ironically and, and very, uh, very, uh, you know, purposely the values of the Vala movement, which is sustainability, which is long-term thinking, in my opinion. It has nothing to do just with, you know, any one particular system. It's not just about planting trees or growing tomatoes. It's about long-term thinking, making decisions based on the long-term that are empowering you towards freedom. Mm -hmm. It's about community. It's about doing it together, right? We don't all have to grow and we don't all have to necessarily, you know, build uh, a full polyface farm type thing, but we can participate in it, obviously, or we can grow one thing, you know, we can grow a couple of things or build a a small little ecosystem. And even if it means that we're going to do that at a local park or in our backyard or on our balcony or anything, just participating in the systems that, that, that make sense here. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, that, that helps feed the bees if at a minimum, if anything. Right. And, yeah. and well, all you of can that, put a, put a beehive up on top of the roof. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you, there's so many different things we can do here. And, and, you know, the next value is, is knowledge. We have to know. And if you're not knowing, if you're not paying attention, if you're not questioning what is going into your food and what you're putting in your mouth, then what, how can, how can you possibly say that you are having a, a you know, and living your ideal life when you don't even, you're not even fully aware of what's going on and, and what's happening. And, and yeah, I understand why people don't know, because at the end of the day, the knowledge comes from our education system, which is failing us. We are not learning about anything to do with the biology of the planet and where our food comes from and anything like that. And instead we're learning a whole bunch of stuff to pass exams that, you know, we regurgitate information back out onto, onto the pieces of paper for no good reason. And our, our system is broken on that front too. And, and, and so the, the knowledge and, you know, leads to the lack of, the lack of knowledge leads to the lack of action, which is the last value. 
We have to take action. Once you know this, when you're, you know, ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this podcast right now, you now know this information and and you can go and Google and watch Food Inc. and whatever documentaries on all of these different topics. You can Google it. You can research it yourself. You can speak to the smartest people on the planet with PhDs and, 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 and whatever, you know, farmers and all these stuff. They'll all tell you they know this is the truth. Okay. Now that you know the truth and if you can accept that truth, then the, the next step is you have to take action. You have to do something about it right here and right now. And and so I I want to I want to kind of lead you to to kind of you know what what would somebody do you know I I got angry enough that I had watched enough documentaries in the last couple of years that four years ago I went out of the middle of a GMO corn and soy field and planted a tree and that's what I did and I had <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing and I really fucked up royally many times and there's many trees that have died at my expense but there was also hundreds of trees and many more that have are living at my expense and and not just me but really the community at this point and what you know somebody who's listening to this right now what do you recommend that they just start doing right now what are the best decisions and things that they can do well i've kind of got a three-step uh, a three-step approach the first thing is to get in your kitchen you know we have this idea that we can have a we can have a, a world with integrity but we can sit on the sidelines and the truth is that much of the adulteration of our food supply and many of the big corporations that you've cut, <laughs> that you've learned learned to hate um, are what fill the processed food aisles in the in the supermarket so a in, in you know the best thing is to just get out of the supermarket but but it, but this means getting in your kitchen. You've got to, you, you can't have a, a resilient food system that is not fundamentally home centric. Home centricity, I mean, the thing that our, one of our, the things that our society has done, uh, Mark, you talked about not knowing your neighbors. We're gonna, we don't even know our own families anymore. We don't eat together. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't recreate together. Everybody's looking at their iPhone and their smartphone and they're playing Angry Birds over here and, and Captivators over there. One guy's grazing, eat, eating a Hot Pockets in the microwave over here. And we, 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 we don't even have togetherness in the home. And so, so coming back to the kitchen as a home-centric rendezvous place for where the most intimate thing, except for maybe sex, happens where we actually prepare things that ingest that we ingest into our bodies to 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 uh, realize that that is where we where we get our grounding we get our energy we get our health we get we get all of these things um so coming back to the kitchen and and realizing we have to make some change in our lives we can't just snap our fingers and expect for a different future while we do the same thing so number one get in your kitchen Number two, to, to, to prepare, package, preserve, and, um, and, and process you know, food. Um, number two is take one year, and you can do this. You, you turn, off the, you know, turn off the TV, um, don't go to the, you know, the theater, whatever, uh, the movies, whatever, and, and take one year of your recreational and entertainment time and money budget and find your food treasures in your locale. Every single locale now is surrounded by good integrity farmers. There are more of them every day. And you know what? Many of them are desperate for just five more customers and they can leave their town job and quit their commute and farm full time. 
you can be the catalyst to enable that farmer to go to that tipping point where he or she actually can do their heart's passion full time. And that's a great thing to enable, to empower, to tip over, to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you, you just, just make a commitment. All right. For one year, we're going to take our recreational entertainment budget of time and money and we're going to find our food treasures in our area. They're there. They're, they're not in the supermarket. They're not, you know, out on the, they're not going to be advertised in the Sunday, you know, the, the, the Sunday coupon clipper uh, stuff in the newspaper. But they're there and you can find them and you then will know your farmer, you'll know your food and, and you will then when, you know, if tough times come or whatever, you will have a relationship, a direct, a direct, transparent, accountable relationship to the soil, to the, to the farmer who actually grows your food. The third thing then is do something yourself. I don't care. I don't care if it's, if it's growing a tomato plant under grow lights. You know, I don't care if it's, you know, getting two chickens to eat your kitchen scraps, a honeybee nest on top of the uh, roof, uh, uh, you know, a, a pot garden on the front patio, a hanging, a hanging uh, PVC, you know, uh, garden out the, you know, window. The, the point is to, to, to participate in some, some, even a tiny, tiny way in the miracle the mystery, the awesomeness of visceral life. And when you do that, you will realize that ultimately Wall Street, the bankers, the the whole deal, it all is completely dependent on something that we still don't even have a clue how it all works. But, But to in to be able to um, inject ourselves into something as grand and beyond us as a tomato, uh, an egg popping out of a chicken, uh, to, to be able to inject ourselves into that viscerally keeps us humble, keeps us inspired, and keeps us hopeful that the abundance is there and we can enhance it, caress it, and encourage it for future generations. That's a very fundamentally hopeful and healing message for all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, I mean, there's so much wisdom in everything you just said because we absolutely need to, we need to reconnect to our families, we need to reconnect to ourselves, we need to start questioning and considering what is happening around us, and we need to recognize that that the world is not going to, it's not going to wait, it's not forgiving in that way, you know what I mean? We're not, right. we're not going to, yeah. I'm not worried about the, I'm not worried about the planet, I'm worried about us on the planet, you know what right. I mean? The planet's going to be just fine without us over time, and and ecosystems will restore long after we've we've destroyed them all. If we destroy them all, but that being said, I, I as much as I do believe we're going to hit the brick wall, I do also believe uh, we can recover from it. And like you said, you know, nature does restore. It does. It does. It does adapt. It it's so adaptable and it's so powerful and it's so resilient in ways that I I would have never imagined. And it's fun. 
You know, I, I want to kind of end a little bit on, on some of the topics. And, and before, you know, we, I ask where, where people can find and learn more about you or how they can join and come and learn from you. Um, what I want to kind of talk a little bit about and, and something you mentioned earlier, which I found very interesting, is you talked about marketing. You talked about going out there and, and really getting this in front of people who were your neighbors and in front of people who um, who need to see this message and who, who need to kind of connect with you as a, as a neighbor and as a farmer. And the idea here is that I believe that this, this world that we live in today, this, this notification nation of a society that we, that we are now part of, um, we need to, we have to understand that making farming and making, growing your own food and making all of this stuff sexy and fun and appealing and, and 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 exciting and entertaining is a part of what we're doing. And so for all of you out there, I never thought that I would be a farmer. I never thought that I would in any way be connected to any of this. And the most I was going to do is maybe help my grandmother, you know, grow her tomatoes in her backyard. And and at the time, I, I just kind of thought that farming was boring and it was hard labor. And, and don't get me wrong, it is. It is hard labor, but it is definitely not boring. It is so fun to be outside, to get some vitamin D and be out in the sunlight. It is so fun to, to you know, work alongside somebody and, and pick up a shovel. I don't need a gym pass. I don't have to pay for a gym pass because I'm out there digging trenches and, and, and you know, planting tomato plants and, and having a great time. And, you know, all the people who spend all their time going to tanning salons, like, spend all that energy outside farming. Like, I mean, I can't believe it. Like, we're at a point where if you want to tan, go out there and expose your sun, your, yourself to the, to the sunshine a little bit and participate. Participate even if it is only with your grandma, even if it is only on your balcony, even if it is only in your backyard. That is more than enough. That is already going to start making this a wave and a movement that is going to become cooler and cooler and more and more exciting for people. So, you know, we have to we have to kind of rebrand the idea that, you know, farming is this tough, unfortunate, you know, thing that only some people should should have to do. Really, this is something we should all be participating in. And it and it is empowering and fun and you know meets your aesthetics or fashion and all that stuff too. I mean, you know, there's there's such thing as being a fashionable farmer. There's such thing as being a, a, a in shape farmer. There's such thing as being a tan farmer. In fact, you could be all of those things, right? You can you can satisfy your needs to to look and and look cool and feel and you know have a good time and and all that stuff too by just being out there and participating in in this in this system and in 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 the world and nature around you. So. Um, and there's a lot of education and a lot of fun out there, right? I know that we accept visitors at our farm all the time, every single Saturday. And I'm sure, and I know, in fact, uh, that you guys have, you know, tours and education and all kinds of stuff going on too, right? So, you know, people who are, who are listening to this and saying, you know what, now's the time I need to participate. How can they connect to you? How can they learn from you? What, what are some of the different things that you are offering to make it fun and exciting and educational for them? Well, there's several things that we do. <clears throat> one, one uh, uh, during the season, we do about 14 lunatic tours for people that want to come out to the farm and, and get a two-hour tour with the lunatic, who of course is, is me. Um, that's the you know that's the the most fundamental thing. I mean, well, the, the farm is open, so we have we have visitors from all over the world, literally daily, who come and walk the fields and 
pick up chicks and and um, and you know walk in the fields and see what we're doing. Um, and then we have the lunatic tours, and then we do uh, seminars. We do um, two day seminars. We do three of them a summer, and uh, limited to about thirty people, and so it's very intimate. But it's it's a we we basically cram four days into two. I mean, yeah, we are farmers, so we go sun up to sun down for two days, and um, and we you know we we actually process chickens and rabbits and build compost and cut you know, cut a tree and, and build, uh, you know, do ponds and road building and cow moving and lease, you know, rented, rented ground and, and, uh, you know, uh, young people with fiefdoms and all sorts of things. So, you know, it's a very comprehensive thing. <clears throat> and then, of course, I've written a lot. I've written 10 books. There's a lot of information, uh, in those books, both practical stuff and, and philosophical stuff. And I, I think, I think, you know, I think both of those things help us. If you just if you just wax philosophical, then you become too, you know, heavenly to be of any earthly good. And if all you do is the practical, sometimes you can get bogged down and burn out in the in the minutia of the practical. And so you need the the poetry of the philosophical to uh, sometimes you know keep you excited about the big picture and and the big context of of what you're you know what you're being a part of. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of and and you know and I travel and do a lot of speeches. So if you want to know where I'm going to be, if you want to come and attend one of my presentations or seminars or something, just uh, our website is Polyface Farms. Um, you can just Google that up, Polyface Farms. It'll pop right up, and there's a schedule tab on there that says you know where I'm going, where I'm going to be. We also do school tours, grass stains tours, we call them for school groups. Um, those are two hour, roughly two hour tours, and we do a lot of those every year. We do uh, free range Saturdays where artisans come and and we kind of uh, re try to we're trying to redo the uh, the medieval the medieval uh, commercial market you know uh, nobody pays us for this they just we're just providing a you know a platform a forum where people can come we do events on the farm from food freedom fest to um, you know to other events and so. We yeah we do a lot of things you know uh, um, we've got a we've got a permaculture group coming for a class uh, this summer doing an ed- edible landscape walk uh, you know we, we do a lot of things to just get people out to see smell touch and and affirm affirm their own uh, uh, their own potency and their, and their own uh, importance. In in the ecology, I mean, we are a part of the ecology. We're not we're not uh, transfixed in some Star Trek Nirvana levitating above the ecology. We are part of it. Uh, arguably, the you know the most important uh, keystone, the keystone species of it. And so, um, you know, being able to activate that role uh, is is actually quite quite self affirming and self actualizing, uh, and very completing. I think as humans. You know, human comes from you must, and uh, so we are of the soil and and part of it, and we'll return to it, um, the physical part of us at least, and and so you know, being being nested, being nestled and nested in that uh, is is quite um, um, is it, is it's such an integral part of our own awareness of our context of who we are, and. 
So how we find out who we are is finding out our context and where we are, what we are, and our role in it. And I would suggest that, that back to your participation word, the more we participate in that and don't just assume that it's for dummies or it's for D students or it's for those kind of people, you know, brown-skinned people or whatever, but to realize that, 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 the, that the earth needs the smartest and the dumbest from the handicapped to the track runner to whoever um, the participation is benefited when more and more people decide to come out of the stands and join the game. The game gets a lot better and more interesting when you have a lot more participants. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being a part of all of this and being a part of it, not just, you know, not just this podcast, but doing your part and, and kind of opening and enlightening so many people around the world. And, and, um, obviously everyone who is listening to this, everything that we mentioned, any notes or any, uh, websites, all of this stuff, all the links are in the bio. So you guys can go and check it out. Um, all the show notes, everything that you need is there. And if I can ask you of anything, if this message resonated with you, if you feel like we spoke truth, then please, you know, hey, you are you are very powerful as an individual and, and your click matters. And so your subscription, your share, your comments, your questions, we'll answer all of them. Um, please let us know. We want to activate you. We want to get you in motion. We want to get you doing and physically participating in this. And so anything that allows us to do that and anything that allows that this kind of message to spread could mean the world to our to our lives but also possibly to humanity so thank you so much uh for being a part of uh of the podcast today joel and uh until next time yes mark thank you very much till next time